When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hey everybody, it's Drags and it's Wednesday, August 7th, time for episode 310 of Patriots Beat on the CLNS Media Network. Find us at clnsmedia.com. Follow us on Twitter, at Patriots CLNS. Welcoming back this week, Evan Lazar, colleague of CLN, colleague of mine at clnsmedia.com, covering the NFL and of course, your New England Patriots. Follow him on Twitter, at E-Z-L-A-Z-A-R. Evan is road tripping this week, and next for that matter in Nashville. But this week, he's in the heart of Lion Country as the Patriots and Lions participate in joint practices. Not necessarily in downtown Detroit, right? No, I'm in Allen Park, Detroit, which is a little bit outside, 15, 20 minutes. Not quite as far as, like, Foxborough is from Boston, but, you know, it's still a little bit outside. So when you tweeted on uh, Tuesday morning that Nikhil Harry limped off and you hit the send button on Twitter, what kind of reaction did you expect in terms of panic in Patriot Nation? Well, I expected people to be pretty panicked, I would say. I mean, he's a pretty vital part of this team, whether it happens right away for him. I I think that remains to be seen. But at some point in time this coming up season – you know, maybe around Thanksgiving, I think that they're really hoping that he is going to be a star for this team. So, I mean, I think that right now we should be optimistic, you know, cautiously optimistic about Harry's status. Anything too serious, but obviously there's no reason to push it this time of year. No, there isn't. Um, do you think he still plays Thursday night? Uh, I, I would like to see what he does tomorrow, if he does anything tomorrow. I think that ideally, though, he would play just because, you know, I don't think that we've fully seen Nikhil Harry unleashed yet because these training camp practices, even though there is some contact, they've really limited how much contact there really is. And he's the type of player with his physical makeup that is going to just run guys over with the ball in his hands. And he's not able to do that, you know, in these practices because you're not really finishing plays as Bill Belichick put it to me today. You're not tackling to the ground. You're not hitting quarterbacks. You're not doing that type of stuff. So I really would like to see him play because I think that there's a whole other element to his game, which is the finishing part of it that we haven't quite seen yet. I am not, I am for one, not really waiting on Josh Gordon to return. Yeah, no, I I wouldn't be either. And listen, the reinstatement is great. He could obviously still get suspended by the league. The league has 60 days to make a decision as well, so they could just count that kind of as a suspension and, and have him 
miss like the first three or four weeks of the regular season. And, you know, that would be about like a four game suspension if they wait the whole 60 days. But I don't think anybody should really be counting on it. I think that if the Patriots get him back, it's gravy. And I think that that's kind of the approach the team is taking too. What kind of uh, communication is there between the NFL and, and the Patriots on this? Well, it's funny because every single time Bill Belichick gets asked about it, he says we have absolutely nothing to do with this reinstatement, with the suspension process with Josh Gordon. It is strictly a league matter, and he like doesn't want to touch it at all. But at the same time, he's Josh Gordon is under contract for Bill Belichick's team, so he's Bill Belichick is employing Josh Gordon even if he doesn't want to talk about Josh Gordon. So I think there's a little bit of talk back and forth, but I do not think that the Patriots have kind of a leg up in knowing whether Josh Gordon is going to see the field this year. All right, speaking with Evan Lazar, the tremendous beat reporter that we have for CLNS Media, covering the Patriots and the NFL. A little story on uh, Sunday broke, and that uh, concerns the quarterback, Tom Brady. Now, I believe you and me, what, two, three months ago, kind of pointed to August as a potential hot-button time of the year when Tom Brady could get that deal done. As a matter of fact, that's exactly the way it turned out. Brady signed a two-year, $70 million contract extension covering 2020 in 2021. He signed, obviously, uh, through this year. And look, I said this on Twitter, and I, you can agree with me, not agree with me, but from what I was told uh, through uh, people that are close to the organization, there was no way the Patriots were going into the season with Tom Brady as a lamed-up quarterback. Yeah, I, I would agree with that, but I do think that this contract structure – the 20 and 20, 22, 2020 and 2021 seasons, the way that this contract structure is, are voidable years. So they're right. basically placeholders. I mean, it's it's a fake extension. I mean, they can call it for what it is. He really did this, and you know, the simplest way to put it is that Tom Brady agreed to this deal because it pays him eight million dollars more in, in total cash than his original deal would have Correct. paid him. He's only going to make $15 million uh, this year. Now he makes 23. He takes literally $23 million home with him this year now with his new extension. But he is going to be a unrestricted free agent if they don't come to an agreement by the start of the league year in 2020 in March. So I, this, this whole contract extension is really not an extension. Now the Patriots did this obviously to save the cap, the cap space that it saved five and a half million dollars. Get that cap number down for Brady to around the, I think it's around the $21.5 million range from $27 million. And the other reason why they did it, I think, is because it, on the surface, looks like Tom Brady got an extension. And even though we can get into the details of the contract structure and how all of this works, a lot of people are not going to get into the nitty gritty of it or, you know, listen to our great podcast. Yeah, we should though, uh, Evan, because that's kind of one of the reasons people listen to us is your (laughs) expertise. Go back what you said about two minutes ago when you explained that if he doesn't, if they don't get a deal done by the beginning of the next season, the 2020 NFL season, which begins, as everybody knows, with free agency, uh, first week in March 2020. He's a free agent? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, he, it's a voidable contract. So basically what happens is 
is that these two years were put, were tacked on to the contract so that they could prorate his signing bonus over a three-year period. And that's a fancy way of saying that they're going to split up his signing bonus into thirds so it counts less against the cap in each year. That's a NFL kind of cap loophole that teams can use to lower you know, players like Tom Brady that make a lot of money. It lowers his cap number in 2019. Now, the reason why they're voidable is, is, you know, that results in the fact that when that league year hits in March of 2020, that last two years that they've tagged onto this deal disappear and he's an unrestricted free agent. Now, there is another kind of loophole in the CBA that they can sign Tom Brady. I know a lot of people think that there's that rule that you can't sign somebody within a year of one contract to the next. You have to wait a full year to renegotiate. But yeah, actually, I, and, and to, not to cut you off, but uh, oh, Phil, Pe- Phil Perry and I got into exactly that loophole discussion when I had him yeah. on last uh, on this podcast. Yeah, so if you lower his 2020 cap hit, you can renegotiate or restructure the contract. So basically what the Patriots and Tom Brady are saying is that Tom Brady right now is a year-to-year player. He is essentially the Patriots, and I think his side of the coin too is kind of in agreement on this, that neither one of these you know parties really knows how much longer this dance is going to last. So the best thing to do is to go year-to-year. The Patriots are able to give Brady a raise, give him a little bit more money that he deserves, and he becomes the sixth highest paid quarterback instead of one of the lower high, uh, lower starters, you know, paid in, t- in terms of total cash in 2019. And the Patriots get to go year to year with him. And if he takes a big step back this year, or if he decides, you know, at the end of the 2019 season that he wants to retire, then they don't have all this dead cap money uh, on their salary, uh, on their, you know, cap table to hold over until 2020 or 2021, which would have been the case if they signed him to a real two-year extension. That so, is uh, brilliant. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's definitely a cap maneuvering you know, kind of thing by Bill Belichick and Nick Casario and their staff to lower his 2019 cap number to save the team some money in 2020 and 2021. Now they put, you know, the whole thing about him putting his house on the market and is Tom Brady on the move after this season? I, I'm not buying a single thing about that. I don't think that Bob Kraft would ever allow Tom Brady to play for a different team. But the point of the matter is, is that the Patriots and Tom Brady are going to be back at the negotiation table here shortly, probably after the 2019 season, sometime in February, to see if they can hash out a new deal for him, you know, basically going year to year and keep kicking this can down the road. See, I don't know if that's... First of all, let me ask you, whose brainchild was that? Was that Casario's? Was that Jonathan Kraft? Was that Belichick? Who came up with the idea uh, and who's responsible for studying the NFL CBA and understanding that loophole and executing it as well as the Patriots clearly did in this case. Yeah, the best part about it is, too, is that because of the way that they structured this deal, his cap hit in 2020 right now is set to be almost $37 million. Now, Tom Brady's not going to play for that cap hit. It's just a placeholder. And the kicker is is that as long as his next number comes in under that, they can still renegotiate and an extension with him before that 12-month period. So they are definitely going to come to an agreement, I think, that it pays him or has his cap number be well less than the $37 million. That's easy to do. So I don't know who's 
the, you know, kind of the brainchild or who's the genius behind the cap maneuvering for the Patriots. It's not the first time they've done this kind of structure. Uh, Miguel, uh, Pat's cap on Twitter actually mentioned that they did this with Lawyer Malloy, like way back in 2000 on Lawyer Malloy's last contract with, in New England. So uh, it's not something that's necessarily new, but I, I think that a lot of, teams don't you know there's a couple of teams that have gone this direction the Eagles are another team that are heavy and unvoidable years and are able to kind of prorate these signing bonuses and get players caps uh, cap numbers down in that league year and obviously that's great news you know for the team because it gets them you know, some wiggle room and maybe some potential trades can happen with that wiggle room and it gets Tom Brady a raise so in other words experienced GMs and experienced player personnel executives in the NFL are not unfamiliar with this. It's it's a pretty routine move. Yeah, it's a pretty routine move. I think that, you know, the biggest thing is is that when these types of things break, it tends to be from the agent side of things. So Don Yee's the one that tells, you know, Ian Rappaport or Adam Schefter or Fieldy Aids that Tom Brady has agreed to a contract extension. And then it gets out there that the contract extension is two years, what is it, 70 million and now three years over 85. And then we find out a little bit more information and it turns out that those last two years that were the actual extension are actually just voidable years and really don't mean anything. Speaking with Evan Lazar, talking all things Patriots and the NFL for us here on Patriots Beat. While baseball season is in full swing, placing a wager on baseball has never been easier with all the best odds at betonline.ag. This week, the Red Sox take on the Angels and Mike Trout, who is well on his way to his third AL MVP. It's a four-game series at Fenway Park, and the Red Sox as we saw over the weekend, last weekend at Yankee Stadium, they're in pretty dire straits. They need to take at least three of the four. But, wait, can you believe NFL preseason is underway? To celebrate another season kickoff, betonline.ag and CLNS Media are giving you a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Head over to betonline.ag or use your mobile device to join today and use the promo code CLNS50 to receive your welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines this football season. Get into all the action with betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Please see BetOnline's general rules for additional terms and conditions. Back with Evan Lazar of CLNS Media covering the Patriots and the NFL. Of course, follow him on Twitter at E-Z-L-A-Z-A-R. All right, what about what Bill Belichick said, Evan, about Jarrett Stidham and competition against the Lions this week in practice? Sometimes a rookie quarterback, Evan, gets reps against another team only in a preseason game. Here, he gets three days of competition, then the game, depending on the circumstances, that's a big, big deal. Yeah, I think what's great about what Stidham in particular and what we've seen out of him is that, you know, even though Matt Patricia's scheme obviously has roots with the Patriots, it's different. And I think one of the things that Belichick pointed out that really, uh, you know, was was a great point in his press conference this morning was that, you know, you sort of pick up on your teammates' tendencies a little bit when you practice against guys for 
eight straight days, right? You know, you're going to pick up on which linebacker is, is going to do this and which guy's going to blitz and which guy's going to play this type of coverage. And if he, you know, when he's doing this with his hands or something like that, it means that, you know, those kinds of tendencies you're going to start to pick up on when you practice, you know, day after day after day against the same competition. So the Lions actually, you know, are obviously a different, you know, kind of team and different kind of defense and, Jared Stidham doesn't know all the little tendencies and stuff like that of some of those Lions players. So it's it's a really great learning experience, I think, for everybody and a really great, you know, playing experience from the top on down because also, you know, along with Stidham, some of these starters, like Tom Brady, I, I, I mean, if he's out there on Thursday, it's going to be for one drive. And that's going to be a lot. So a lot of these starters, you know, get some really valuable reps in these uh, joint practices that – they're not playing in these preseason games, so it, it, it's it's good for everybody, I think. Well, and this is no secret. I think the Patriots coaching staff views the joint practices as much more significant competition and evaluation reps for the first and second teamers than the game itself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I really think that the best part about these practices in general that I've kind of, now that I've watched a bunch of Bill Belichick practices, is that it's so, they, it's a controlled environment and it's so situationally based, like they're doing red zone stuff or they're doing two minute drill or they're doing third down offense versus third down defense, that kind of stuff where in a game, you know, you might only get into the red zone one or two times and you only have those opportunities to work on those very important, you know, four-point plays that a lot of people call them the difference between a field goal and a, and a touchdown. So, you know, it, it's that part of it, I think, is what's so great about it is that this is all scripted. So you can really say, okay, you know, it's third and eight here. The score is tied. It's fourth quarter. You know, third down offense versus third down defense. That scenario might only come up like one time in an actual game. So what I love about situational football is, and, and the reason – what you bring up there is so vital to the success of the Patriots. He wants the thinking to be at a minimum, right? He wants, right. he wants his players to react to what the situation is and play to that reaction. He doesn't want them thinking, Oh, what is it that I do in this situation? He wants them to recognize the situation and instinctively, intuitively, uh, perform the way he wants them to perform. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's like something that's maybe taken for granted. It's like at this level, you should know that if it's a two minute drill and the clock is running, that you should run out of bounds after you make a catch. But in the moment, you know, it's obviously more difficult than just saying that. And I think that Bill Belichick's the repetition of these practices, you know, over and over again, drilling it into these players heads, it really just becomes second nature to them. And a lot of these kind of situations that they go over in these practices are oftentimes the difference between winning and losing games. You know, like it's one play or two plays in the fourth quarter of a close game, and that often decides the whole outcome of the game. And those are the types of things that Bill Belichick tries to work on the most. Tell me, what are the chances Trent Williams winds up with the Patriots? I mean, I wouldn't say that it's very high. I mean, now that they did this with Brady's contract, they obviously can afford to do it. They'd have to, you know, make some tough cuts, I think, to get themselves into enough wiggle room to pay for injured reserve players and maybe have a little bit of a surplus going into the season if they did acquire Trent Williams. But I really think that the biggest thing is, is that 
A, he wants a new contract, so does it really solve the problem? I guess maybe if he goes to a contender like the Patriots, he might suck it up and play on whatever deal he has with the Redskins right now just to try to win a Super Bowl. But it looks like he wants a new contract, whether he's traded or not. And the second thing I would say is is that I, these tackles, whether you agree with it or not, are you know, one commodity in the league still that garner a lot of trade value back. Like someone like Dwayne Brown with the Seahawks, for example, got did uh, got a second round pick back for like half a season for Dwayne Brown. And Trent Williams is a much better player than Dwayne Brown is. So I think that you're looking at a second or maybe even a high a low end first round pick if you're a team like the Patriots to get Trent Williams here. And I just don't know if the Patriots are willing to do that. You know, people might forget, uh, Trent Williams is a first round pick, the Redskins first round pick in 2010. Yeah, he's a seven, he's made the Pro Bowl in seven consecutive seasons. So this is not, this is a very, very good player. And if there's one position where the market has kind of continued to just rise where, you know, you can trade a fifth round pick and get Antonio Brown if you're the Oakland Raiders, you can't do that with left tackles. Left tackles are, 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 prize you know they're a commodity that everybody needs and everybody wants even more so than like a stud receiver like an Antonio Brown so I really think that it's going to take a second round pick to get Trent Williams yeah I I agree with you and I just don't think this doesn't ring true to what a typical Patriot move would be uh, in terms of picking a guy up like this and then uh, facilitating his free agency or his new contract request. It's just there's something about uh, this whole situation down with the Redskins, and for him to just be traded to the to the Patriots and then get what he's looking for. I just don't see it happening. Yeah, I mean, I think we would all love the Patriots to kind of like make an all-in move like this with Tom Brady being 42 years old and finally kind of like pay top dollar for a guy to kind of put you over the hump, but it's really just not a move. They've done it, obviously, in free agency to kick off free agency with a move like a Stephon Gilmore, for example, but that was when they had $50, $60 million in cap space. So you are on site in Detroit um, and or in Allen Park, Michigan, uh, yeah. and I want to get from you a sense of um, – they said the honeymoon was over pretty quickly in Patricia's first year, but has there been a bounce back? Has there been a like, um, well, maybe Patricia does know what he's doing, uh, and he acquired somebody in, in, off the waiver wire a couple weeks ago. Who was it that, um, oh, I can't remember. I'll have to look it up. Uh, who, when, when he acquired him, I'm like, well, good for Matt Patricia. That was a, that was a good. Oh, Mike ep- Daniels, Mike Daniels. Yeah, Mike, that's right, from the uh, Packers, right? Yeah. So, like, yeah, exactly. and, and Mike Daniels was a commodity, right? I mean, a veteran yeah. who can, who certainly could have helped the Patriots. It could have helped any contending team. And when I saw that, um, Patricia got him in the fold, I'm like, well, that's a pretty good addition. And if you believe that Matthew Stafford is still a highly competitive quarterback, the Li- the Lions are a funny team. And I just think, you know, if everything breaks right um, and Patricia, you know, in his second year uh, gets players playing the way they that he wants them playing, they could make a run at the wild card. Yeah, it's funny. So a few things. Uh, on Monday, a Lions reporter that I won't name, uh, asked Bill Belichick, how long do you feel 
that it takes to kind of instill your program and establish your program in a new space. And the reason why I think Belichick didn't answer the question is because the reporter mentioned Cleveland. (laughs) And as soon as you bring up Cleveland to Bill Belichick, it's like, that's it. Like you're in the doghouse. So it it was a good question though. And I I think that, yeah, (laughs) good point. Uh, I think that it was a good question though. And I think that what I've noticed, at least from the report, Porter side of things, which is always different from the fan perspective, of course, is that they realize here in Detroit that it you can't just have a one-and-done coach. That if you're really going to buy into a coach's philosophy and try to build a program like the Patriots have or like some of the other teams have with longer tenured coaches, you need to give that coach two or three years to kind of establish himself as a head coach and get his kind of philosophies on both sides of the ball, bigger picture philosophies, you know, kind of instilled into the players and into the roster. So I think that they realize that they need to give Patricia some time here, even though maybe last year didn't go the way that they wanted it to. I think that they're well aware that it's going to take a couple of years before any coach can really get things going with a few exceptions when like a coach takes over a roster that's just tailor made, you know, to be a, a quick starter. Um, like maybe like Matt Nagy in Chicago, for instance, or something like that, where in one year he put them in the playoffs. But I think the other thing is, too, with Patricia, I've talked to a few high school coaches um, that, you know, I just met through social media that, uh, you know, kind of give me pointers and and help me out with tape stuff. And they mentioned that Patricia is one of the best game planners and play callers on the defensive side of the ball in the entire league. They are very high on Patricia and, the one thing that they pointed to was the Lions game plan last year against the Los Angeles Rams. And really the rest of the season, every single team that played the Rams and the Rams offense kind of sputtered towards the end of the year and for a bunch of different reasons. But one of the reasons schematically was that the Lions really held them in check for three quarters. And a lot of teams from that point on, the Bears, the Eagles, uh, even, of course, the Patriots in the Super Bowl, stole Matt Patricia's game plan and ran the same stuff that Matt Patricia did. The and quarters. They, right? Yeah, the quarters, de- coverages on early downs, um, playing some different types of fronts to you know mitigate the wide zone stuff that the Rams do with their running game and really limiting the sh- Stop plays in the passing game off of play action is kind of the way to start with Sean McVay. And the other thing is, which was brilliant, and the Patriots really did this in the uh, the Super Bowl, was the Rams love to do pre-snap motion. They love to bring guys on jet sweeps and end arounds and different types of fake motions. And they hardly ever hand the ball off to the guy. But the motion itself just fools everybody on defense, and you have to account for it. The Lions just said, you can motion all you want. You can send a guy on an orbit or a jet sweep, and I know you're not going to hand the ball off. And if you hand the ball off, it's going to be one or two times. You pick up your yards, and we live to play another down. So they basically ignored every all the window dressing from Sean McVay and just said, you can move everybody around. We're not even going to pay attention to those guys. And that's exactly what a lot of teams did in the second half of the season to slow down Sean McVay and the Rams offense. So uh, Patricia was really kind of the start of the blueprint to the Patriots Super Bowl game plan. By the way, the ignoring all of the um, uh, the noise, if you will, in, in the offensive motions and everything, that's right out of the Bill Belichick playbook. And that is yeah. pretty much... 
Bill Belichick saying, we're going to do what we're going to do on defense. We're going to have our principles. You can do all your other happy horse shit <laughs> uh, yeah. around the formation. We're going to stick to what we do best. And to me, Patricia got that from Belichick. Yeah, I mean, really the Rams' offense is one type of formation. They're a three-wide receiver team like 99% of the time, and McVay beats you with misdirection and just window dressing before the snap and then misdirection after the snap and making everything look the same and then having it be slightly different. And all the motions and stuff like that, what they do is they displace defenders. So the linebacker has to account for the jet sweep or a corner has to account for it, and that vacates another area in the coverage behind that player when he's going to the jet sweep so the lions the patriots the bears all these teams just said hey listen if you hand the ball off on the jet sweep yeah you might pick up 15 20 yards that one time that you hand it off but we're willing to give that to you because we don't think that you're going to hand it off to the jet player 10 or 15 times today you know that's just not what the offense is wants to do so you know therefore like you know good luck you know go drive the field against us on jet sweeps and see what happens um, anything remotely close to a nice altercation in the joint practices in the first two days? Yeah, so today there was actually two scraps. Uh, there was one early on in practice uh, between James Ferentz and uh, P.J. Johnson, who's a defensive lineman for the Lions. James Ferentz kind of finished his block, and my, I, I believe he pancaked P.J. Johnson and kind of you know had a little bit of nasty at the end of the block. P.J. Johnson didn't like it too much. There was actually some swings, and P.J. Johnson got kicked out of the practice, and Ryan Izzo kind of got in there to defend and James Ferentz a little bit. Later on in practice, Nikhil Harry actually got into it um, with a Lions rookie corner, who I'm, of course, blanking on his name right now. But uh, Nikhil Harry has kind of established a physical presence, I'll say, about his play. And he actually got into it during that join uh, regular practices back in Foxborough with Jawan Bentley in every single time that Nikhil Harry blocks somebody he is trying to put that guy in the ground and not a lot of people are some people are starting to take exception to it so he uh, he almost got into a scrap with Amani Awari who's a, a draft pick of the Lions a rookie um, that they picked in the I think it was the third or the fourth round fifth round pick and uh and and there's a couple of different scraps there today today was Definitely really more competitive and more fiery than Monday. And I think that, you know, tomorrow it should be a lighter day with the game on Thursday. So it probably won't get as much fireworks. Are you a Last Chance U fan? I actually just started watching Last Chance U. I'm on the oh. second ever episode. I'm behind on the times, but I, I'm, I'm hooked now. S- second episode, fourth season or second episode, first season? Second, I'm going in order. So second episode, first season. Oh, okay. I'm very behind. You, you gotta let me know when you catch up to at least season number three and you get to Independence U and yeah. ICC and Jason Brown. Because I want to do a good solid 15, 20 minutes on Last Chance U. Just because there's so much to talk about in terms of coaches, who have these players who are, you know, at community college to try and, as the show's title suggests, get their last chance at getting a um, scholarship at a Division One program or a Division Two program, but a, likely a Division One program. 
And it's, there's just so many great stories to tell and, um, so many lessons to be learned about the player coach dynamic. So when you get to season number three, let me know and we're going to have you on and we're going to talk about, um, Jason Brown because it's just tremendous stuff. Yeah, it's tremendous. Uh, I'm looking hard tonight, uh, we're taping this on, on Tuesday is, uh, the premiere of Hard Knocks. That's always great. It uh, is. All or nothing. It was great this, with the Carolina Panthers. And that's kind of what got me into the mode of, of finally starting to watch Last Chance U as I finished All or Nothing and it was the next thing on the queue. Let me tell you that I think for my money, Last Chance U is hard knocks on steroids. That's how, yeah. how good it is. I just, I think it just goes deeper into the personalities to the lives of these kids. And I mean, obviously hard knocks is, they do a great job of, you know, getting inside the, an NFL um, operation, right? And they do a great job with that. But I'm just a big fan of Last Chance You on Netflix. Uh, Evan, uh, anything you're working on for later in the week besides the game itself? Well, yeah, actually, uh, I told you about this um, before we started taping, but I'm, I'm working on something about Dante Scarnecchia. You know, I, I think that, you know, I've talked to the Scar a few times. I'm sure you have two tracks, and he's such a great guy to just pick his brain, and he's just a brilliant football mind, obviously, but he is like the most humble person you'll ever come across. Remarkably and, so. And whenever you try to get him to kind of like, what is like your secret sauce? What is it that makes you so good? He won't bite. He just won't talk about it. So I actually went around and talked to all the offensive linemen and got their perspective of what makes Skarnecchia so great. So that's what the, uh, the piece is about. I talked to Shaq Mason, Ted Karras, David Andrews, Isaiah Wynn. Um, I talked a little bit uh, to Joe Tooney about it as well. So it was really cool to kind of get from their perspective because they'll gush about Scar all day long and how great he is. I mean, a lot of those guys credited Scar with kind of, you know, making them who they are in terms of players. Ted Karras told me that Scar, he said he respects Scar second only to his own father. You know, that that's the type of figure that he is to these guys. He is a father figure. He is somebody that they respect through and through. And it just was really cool to kind of get their perspective of, you know, what makes this kind of like, I, I call them like a, a mythological figure. And there's so many of them, I think, in you know, the walls of Gillette Stadium that we just don't get to talk to these guys that often and really don't get to understand, you know, how they make this dynasty run. You know, guys like Scar, you know, from position coaches, obviously, but like Monty Eisenfort, for example, in the scouting department, like, I don't even know what Monty Eisenfort looks like. So, you know, you just are never going to talk to Monty Eisenfort. Um, but Scar, you do get to talk to him every once in a while, but like I said, he just, he will not brag about himself. So I let the player brag for him. All right, be sure to look for that on clnsmedia.com. Evan will have you covered on game night as the Patriots get their preseason underway uh, in Detroit at Ford Field against Matt Patricia's Detroit Lions. He will then uh, be with the Patriots next week in Nashville. Uh, a lot of traveling. Yeah, I like it. I love it. Um, get those frequent flyer miles certified, <laughs> my man. I hope you do that. Yes. I want to thank everybody for downloading today's podcast. Thank our terrific guest and colleague Evan Lazar covering the Patriots for CLNS. Also want to thank our terrific sponsor, betonline.ag. You can and should be following Evan, by the way, on Twitter 
at E-Z-L-A-Z-A-R. For producer Michael Angie and the founder of the network, the one and only Nick Gelso, this is Mike Petralia, and this has been the Patriots Beat Podcast, powered by CLNS Media. Hello, I'm Dan Lothian, host of the Behind the Media podcast on the CLNS Media Network. Along with Jimmy Young, we dive into the biggest media headlines each week with honest, informed, and sometimes irreverent perspectives. It's not all serious. We deliver information and entertainment. As we like to say on Behind the Media, we find the interesting in media so you don't have to go searching for it. Listen to our podcast and get prepped for the next trip to the water cooler. Subscribe to Behind the Media wherever you get your podcast. Or find us on www.clnsmedia.com.